Hey, Maggie. Hey, Anna. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Enjoying your quarantine? I love quarantine. We never Best. have to leave the house. I'm I'm writing a novel, learning five languages. <laughs> the house has I, never been cleaner. The house is so clean. This is paradise. I hope it lasts forever. <laughs> I just count shoes and then count yeah. them again. Oh, okay. Mm. You have your ways. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we've been thinking that a podcast was kind of impossible during this time. But no, we found things to talk about. And so we found Zoom. So we can we, have guests. Right. We're having a guest. We have um, Kirk Everest is joining us today. Kirk is a professor of theater at Austin College in Texas. And he is a theater professor. He also directs and he's had I've been wanting to talk to him about Hamilton for a long time mm-hmm. because before Hamilton before way before corn like when Hamilton was new he was like an early adopter of Hamilton okay. started teaching it and I was like how can you teach it when you know we only have the the CD or whatever and yeah. um he was like no I have production stills and you know so cool. he he has a lot of really interesting things to say about Hamilton, and so I hope everyone listens to that and um, just about the nature of theater when it's online. Yeah, too. no, I love it. I think it's an important topic to talk about right now because it uh, doesn't seem like we're going to get back in the theater right. anytime soon. So we got to find new mm-hmm. ways to to keep Enjoy. this going. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Now we have Kirk Everest here from Austin College hello, in hello. Sherman, Texas. Kirk. Hi there. Hi. Thanks for joining us. And um, this is one of the sort of benefits of quarantine and distancing is that suddenly I'm as close to Kirk as I can be, you know, um, in this podcast. And but he's still six feet from us. He <laughs> is. That's true. For safety. He, yeah. Just, just can't be safety. too safe. No. We're and observing all kinds of respectful distances. It's why. <laughs> we are good people. <laughs> and Kirk has been a Hamilton fan, a Hamilton fanatic, and he's taught it a lot in his college I've curriculum. Been every year. Yeah, every year since it's out. So we're going to talk about that. Plus, he had some really interesting insights just on the nature of the theatrical medium when it's... Mm electronic and on a screen so i want to hear all that yeah for sure and um and so thank you he's a ucsb alum we went to grad school together we did we sure did great studied with bert stick together we did bert bert is (laughs) now i can't talk because i'm thinking about bert okay i know i know (laughs) i know um so uh, Maggie, have do you have on your radar any local theater that's coming through the Zoom or through the electronic pages? Well, I mean, a lot of people did really uh, jump on it quickly, and they got readings out, you know, a lot of Shakespeare, a lot of, uh, you know, so we did kind of jump into it quickly. Uh, coming up, or kind of running currently, uh, we have... Launchpad. Oh yeah, UCSB went ahead with Launchpad mm-hmm. as they do, where they are staging, you know, sort of a staged reading of 
new plays or plays in development. Now, how do you do a staged reading when mm-hmm. it's when it's on Zoom? I mean, I is it know. it's just it's just it's just a reading. It's a reading. It's, it's probably just a reading, but they probably have some something. They probably have props some direction. And direction yeah, for sure. Because yeah. okay. they have listed directors. So we should I think their last one by the same playwright that did um, The Watsons Go to Burning Man. Oh, that's right. Coming. The Watsons so, Go to Burning Man, my it, favorite. It, it's coming back. I mean, the playwright is being uh, revived in a okay. different, with a different show. So that's worth checking out. Then uh, we have, oh yeah, Ensemble is having the, with the library doing the regular theater book club. Right, right. But I think they, the with the play American Son, Kirk, have you seen American Son or read it? The, uh, no. That was the Kerry <clears throat> Washington um, oh. show on Broadway hmm? that is about an African-American uh, mother whose son doesn't come home one night. He's in high school. So what that's all about. Mm-hmm. And um, they were going to do it, this that show, um, just recently. Yeah, but, this last spring. Yeah, which should have been done in the spring, but covid knocked that out of the park so mm-hmm. they're hoping to do it next spring you know year come a year um but they're doing the book club reading on it now because of the recent interest in black lives mattering and right. the kind of salience of the play to police violence and police violence on black lives specifically had, had the play been in production at all <clears throat> or no. was it yeah camp- well no, well, it wasn't up, but we had the set design because I was dramaturging mm-hmm. um, with the set design. We had the, you know, ca- uh, there was a cast. Um, <laughs> yeah, all all the things except the rehearsing had taken place. So it was all up, you know, in at least all the stuff was ordered. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it was supposed to premiere in April, I think. So, I mean. Yeah. It yeah. just and kind of missed the boat by. And then so it, many weeks. it also missed, it was a joint production with the theater in Frankfurt, right. Germany. So it also didn't go to Germany. Ah, uh, so. okay. Yeah, I mean, because I think that's, that's there are a number of productions where uh, they ended up getting transformed or salvaged in various forms. Uh, I was directing an operatic version, uh, a semi-opera of Midsummer Night's Dream uh, that we had to cancel, but... Uh, we were able to arrange for basically what was more or less a stage reading of it. Mm-hmm. And then the singers decided in the middle of that stage reading to go ahead and sing their parts as well. So we ended up having a rendition in uh, in a digital format of something that had entirely conceived to be staged physically. Um, and uh, and it's interesting that you have an event like uh, like this one with American Sun where a book club is able to, yeah. a theater book club event is able to then take the momentum of an existing production and move that forward so that there is something of the production yeah. that's salvaged well, by that exactly. while there's also moving the energy of it forward for the theater community. You know, there, yeah. there have been a number of projects, I think in terms of digital theater right now, a lot of that's one of the forms that it's taken is, is that transformation or salvaging of an existing production into some new form or, or um, perpetuating it somehow. Right. And, and, for me personally, what I've seen is the things like that are the most successful, where they transform it rather than just go, okay, well, let's all be on Zoom now. Right. And we'll execute kind of the same idea. Yep. Um, yeah. It just, 
So as a director, what were some of the things you had to sort of deal with as a Zoom director? Well, one of the first, we, it was a matter of taking opportunities, uh, but also saying, there, we immediately made decisions, of course, uh, for blocking and physical business. I actually did, chore did choreography for the show, and I'll never find out if it was going to work. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we cut all of that immediately, but we were able to also take up some things like, for example, what you can do with sticky pads, especially when you've got mm -hmm. a bunch of fairy magic. It's a <laughs> that device is. Ah. And, and it was also an opportunity to discover some things that fit mm -hmm. extremely mm -hmm. well. One of the things that... and. and Anna, you and I were talking about this with um, with uh, Much Ado About Nothing doesn't right. translate very well, but but Midsummer Night's Dream does because the scene with the mechanicals is just like a Zoom meeting. Right. The, me <laughs> the mechanicals turn up. They're like, where is everybody? I'm here. I'm here. I'm not here. <laughs> we're waiting on this guy who's yeah. over there. Turn I mean, off your mic. Yeah. Exactly. So so when we played that, the audience picked that up yeah. immediately, and people yeah. were like, "This is amazing that there's that kind of a combination." So. It was really a matter of recognizing there's stuff that we're just not going to be able to, to get across, but there was comic business that we could, in fact, intensify and change, and so it was really just a matter of trying to help the actors adapt to the new space mm -hmm. um, and take, take advantage of those opportunities. The singers just startled me completely mm -hmm. that they were able to... It was a cappella, and that helped enormously. Mm -hmm. um, there was only one scene where all four of them were singing simultaneously in a way that would have been really hard to do, and they pulled it off. Um, wow. Some, <laughs> but I think that there's also a lot of that Brechtian sort of yeah. we the audience gives you a lot of slack because of the format, mm -hmm. and I think that you know shows that basically don't embrace that and say we're going to take we're, we're going to use the fact that it's this new rough, rough roughness and embrace that. Then they're struggling with it the entire time, and I think that's true for shows that just are you know that just try to translate without adapting because um, right. then it's just a bunch of talking heads, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and too many talking. Like you talked about the difference in the stage picture of, you know, when when we're watching, like if we're watching even Netflix or TV, yep. we're watching it yeah. one stage picture. Yeah, one of the things that's enervating about a Zoom meeting, even, is that you're watching six, nine, and if it's a big theater production, it's going to be you know twelve, fifteen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. individual plays in a sense and, and, and yep. our brain just doesn't want to put it all together yeah. uh, a lot of of course a lot of directors have accommodated that and sort of toned that down but there's still something laggy about it and and it's still it's like I guess I was I sort of wanted to have us all have a conversation because I was listening to um, Gia Tiolento's talk about the way certain kinds of social interactions like the, those we have on Facebook or, or Instagram or any social media that, that they're kind of designed supposedly to create this, this connection, this social connection, but they really end up gutting it. You know, they really end up kind <laughs> <Yeah>. of <laughs> digging the personality out of yeah. yeah. So, I was I was thinking about how just sort of deeply untheatrical everything we've been doing on Zoom <laughs> is or online. You know, it, yeah. it's in a way these things are better when they just kind of say, you know, what we're a book club now, and mm -hmm. it's this is what is interesting right now is just like I I uh, one of our other local offerings here is PCPA and. 
and then we just talked about American Sun, but PCPA's book club I've gone to, and their next one is on Life is a Dream. And they have some of their resident actors play out select scenes from whatever play is under study we've done, um, Tempest Mm -hmm. and uh, Three Musketeers, an adaptation of Three Musketeers. They just act out certain scenes, and then we kind of talk about what the actor made choices about there or what a director would Mm. do or... Or we had, um, like, they had some a female uh, Aragon for, a woman playing Aragon for um, Three Musketeers. It's like, what does that mean? What does that do? You know, and and instead of trying to deliver a pr- production, just kind mm-hmm. of totally look at it in a different way. Um, which, you know, I, li- I, I like anyway. I mean... You know, so personal bias there. No, I like that. That's a great idea. I mean, it, like you said, it's a great way to keep people engaged with the material, but it also is a way to keep people engaged with the actual, with the action of acting and theatricality while maintaining that, the distance that we need to maintain at this point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a very postmodern visual world because everything is already segmented. Yeah. You know, we we already we already have to do the work of putting the pieces together in a way that at a live theater production we absolutely don't have to, right. um, because it's all just right there. And you know, I, it, Maggie, getting back to that that thing you were asking earlier, you were saying earlier about how what's the difference? You know, a stage reading and Zoom. Mm-hmm. It's it's that Zoom renders basically other performances to stage readings. Although mm-hmm. you know, when I think about a stage reading, I think about stage readings at UCSB or in New York or London that I've gone to. The exciting thing about those events is not the text itself, because the text is being read and it isn't being staged, and it's talking heads. It's actually I find the actual plays in stage readings kind of dull and problematic. That's the point. <laughs> the excitement of the people in the room around the play that is yet to be realized that sense that this is yeah, a work in development exactly right? Yeah. Right. and the community that that sort of the the, the ideas that t- get sparked the conversations coming out of the room that you cannot have in zoom or you have them you just can't perceive them hmm. and and they and they don't end up collecting the way that they do in a theater they end up going all in separate directions hmm. now mm-hmm. what you get is you still get simultaneity like here are the three of us having this conversation and two radically different states very far apart um <laughs> you know, uh, uh but we're having it simultaneously and so you know there is that that theatrical connection that in fact you can't have in the theater um but hmm. what happens at simultaneity is different you know and and i think that's true for um the way that plays get rendered as this kind of stage reading is that we end up with just the talking heads bits and not the community stuff that makes the talking heads really exciting um, and, yeah. and I think that's just a fundamental problem with just about everything that gets translated into a Zoom format, unless you involve some kind of visual elements, cinematography, or you know, staging. Um, yeah, well, that is actually a great segue to the other topic I want to I want to bring into the room. Please broach Hamilton. Yes, 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 <laughs> please. So it's uh, about time. <laughs> <laughs> so we all have different experiences with Hamilton and I feel like Hamilton came to Disney streaming 
basically because of the pandemic? Is that mm-hmm. is that a that's weird what theory or is that real? That's what I've been led to believe, although yeah. I haven't fact checked it in any way. <laughs> Maybe they planned it this way all along. Maybe like, there had been talk of a PBS release for years, and okay. there were rights issues involved. And right. I think the the pandemic just expedited the process. Gotcha. Well, yeah. okay. So we got to. I remember they they announced it on the news that you know in July or whatever they mm-hmm. were going to have Hamilton on Disney Plus and I, or whatever Disney's channel is called. I was like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I was didn't greet that with a lot of enthusiasm. I kind of thought at the time I thought, well, oh, that means they've already decided we're definitely going to be still sequestered. And, mm. you know, that means so there's this, no end in sight. So Even the Disney more, people know. So this was more you were upset signified. because of what it signified, not because you were like, oh, God, more no, Hamilton. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, but I was also like, well, that's kind of like, it was both the birth certificate and gravestone mm. of um, Hamilton for me. Like, mm-hmm. okay, now everyone gets to see it. And it's like, right. Hamilton, here it is. But it's also like, well, that's, that's. That's it. You know? I mean, on on one <laughs> hand, like it is maybe like a good marketing thing. Like if people get really into yeah. Hamilton on Disney Plus, then maybe they'll be excited to go to the theater when yeah. the yeah. pandemic is over. You well, know, like I Hamilton so. was cool, and that was a cool experience. I know, but it'll carry with it the precedent of a of a taped experience first. Like, right? It'll always carry the sort of. Broadway taping on its on its back now like you can't you know it's like you can only uh, unwrap the gift one time right and um yeah so this kind of a Bert State's thought Bert are you here are you here talking about unwrapping gifts once switch the lights if you the answer is yes (laughs) when it comes to for example Lin-Manuel Miranda playing the title role yeah yeah and that performance is actually from June 2016, I want to say, I think is the date that I, I discerned in the credits, um, which means it was actually recorded the month the month that, that Trump accepted the nomination. Oh, uh, I was in New York. I remember walking out of production of The Crucible to see that running across the Times Square marquee about Trump, uh, walking out of The Crucible. And there's there, there's a lot of political... Walking political out of op- The Crucible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> into another one right Right. uh and uh um, i you know and i I could see the mob waiting to see hamilton which was in the air and people were thinking about it and hamilton itself was part of political argument at the time right Right. with lin-manuel appearing on saturday night live at one point in october singing uh uh uh, you won't be president now um you know and and, and all of it right yeah All of that is caught up in that video because the video is itself a historical record of a particular moment in theater time. Yeah. Which audiences seeing it on Disney Plus won't perceive in the Mm -hmm. same way because they'll just see it as this is the Disney rendition of this theatrical show. Um, When, in fact, I think what makes that video particularly interesting is that it's a document of one particular performance of the show Mm -hmm. with that particular cast, that particular moment in time. Yeah, Um, because they could have, you know, taped it as a lot of theaters do, they tape it again and again and again, and then they go like, well, that was the best night for, you know, the room where it happened, or that was the best night right. for... So, so I watched it. Actually, Maggie, you were 
over that night. We watched we it watched together. We watched it together. And I was, even though I had seen it live, mm-hmm. I was brought back to how astonishingly much material there is in that production. Yeah. And oh, yeah. It's like so much, you know? It's. <laughs> I hate to like it's quote the so play, but like quote the show, but it is nonstop. It is 100% nonstop. Which is it, what I thought when I saw it in person, too. Yeah. Like, whoa. Kirk, were you caught in the. Also, records for concentrated words, doesn't it? Um, I mean, if it, it doesn't, it, it, it probably. Yeah, I'm sure it does, because I, I, I know a regular I, Broadway show does not yeah. have that many words. No, there's I, no I, way. Tips holds like a Guinness record for the amount of, of dialogue um, oh. put into that much music. Um, uh, I, I heard that somewhere. I don't know if it's true, but but it, it is totally densely packed with data. And that's true when for years all I had was the audio recording. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that's densely packed. I had no concept that it was uh, it was choreographed yeah. the entire mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. that they had through movement for everybody for the entire show. My brother had told me that he saw it in previews, but um, uh, and he said it, it's going to change everything. Um, and then he gave me the recording. I listened to it in my car for the first time. I had no idea that there was a whole other language of choreography mm-hmm. being spoken until I saw the video. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, there is something about taking the, the sort of secret nature of this hidden performance that itself was, you know, when it emerged, it was this cult thing. It's like, everybody needs to see this. Um, yeah. But there's no way that everybody will get to. And now that everybody gets to, you know, coming back to, Anna, what you were talking about being sort of the, the tombstone as well as the birth, there's it's the death of the secret cult of Hamilton mm-hmm. now that it's made public. Um, but I think in making it public, in making this particular text scene, there's so much richness in it. It is totally nonstop. It's just so dense with information that, you know, I think that it's not the same as other um, <clears throat> Broadway renditions on film. You know, you know I, I think it, this, is, this is not like, <clears throat> although I think it's got, the same kind of chops as a classic like the music man has <laughs> yeah. it's not like it's not like what you have in the terms of the difference between the music man the film and the music man when you do it on stage because here's the other piece of it is that that particular performance is is extraordinary it's great to have that preserved but what i'm really excited about with hamilton is seeing other performers in the roles in other versions mm-hmm, right. you know touring productions i'm very excited about the london production the different casts and what they do with those casts I am very excited to see high schools attempt this play, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and and it's those Hamiltons that I, that they will happen because now this has been released. Yeah, because this is a text out there, it is more likely mm-hmm. to be emulated, and I think that's where some of the more that's where an exciting legacy of Hamilton has yet to be explored is mm-hmm. in the proliferation of performances. Um, that's true. You know, uh, it, it's but daunting though. I mean, I know. I've always thought, oh, you know, they're going to do any high school doing any show. West Side Story, really? That's so hard. And then you watch them and they pull it off and you're like, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So if anyone can kind of pull off Hamilton, I'm going to be like, what? (laughs) I mean, but because we're talking about the choreography, which is a little bit like talking about dinner we had last night. It's kind of hard to <laughs> evoke. <laughs> right. But but 
it, they are moving all the time. They do not stop moving. And you were there when Sam, our friend Sam, was telling us about the cast member called The Bullet who moves through oh, yeah. the entire show. And every time that she interacts with someone, that person then is kind of marked for death in a way. Right. Like, what a cool concept <laughs> that you have one character who's, uh, you know, a background player, but they have their own their own path through this show that's completely different than anything else that's going on on stage. Yeah. Yeah. That's the neat thing about a recording too, is like, even if that was in the staging of the live show I saw, which was in San Francisco, um, it would take repeated viewing before I would notice that there's one particular chorus member that is moving bullets (laughs) around the stage, around the people (laughs) who then die in the next scene. Yeah, I just wouldn't know that. And and that's something that a recording can give you. Mm-hmm. But isn't... So, okay, so I wanted to bring it back to, like, so what do we lose by mm. seeing the, um, the picture of it, the video of it? Like, what's gone? Well, I mean, there's... I think for me, anyway, there's the excitement of the audience and everybody sharing in that nonstop vibe, you know, because the audience gets into it. You can feel that energy ricocheting around the building. And that is something that you're not going to get sitting in your living room watching by yourself or watching with, you know, a couple of other people. It's just a lower energy situation. I think that's one of the reasons why people were excited about having a Hamilton watch parties. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't like, hey, I can't wait to see this. Like, hey, I can't wait to find the right group of people to be mm. in quarantine long enough to mm. be able to watch them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I remember when I, uh, yeah, that, that, you know, who I see that with is important. But yeah. something to immediately, to, to, to play off that a little further, Maggie, I think that, that it's not, it, it, is, it is absolutely the people in the room. It's also getting to the room. Mm-hmm. It's it's the achievement of getting to the show, of of, of winning a ticket, of uh, of making your way through the crowd. Uh, you know, uh, for yeah. for years now, the, the cast comes out and talks to the crowd mm. before the show wow. as they come into work. You know, the uh, one of the reasons the king is so popular with the audience is because he's usually out there chatting with people because he he's got the latest call. Oh right. So <laughs> you know funny. he's he's. A, so there's this relationship with the performers that you get from being in New York, especially when they start singing about New York and, uh, mm. and talking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. when you're in New York listening to that, it's different than when yeah. you're watching on tour, you know, mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, you, you lose the specialness of the achievement of getting there of, of the, of how unique that moment is because it's unique to the people in it. And I would also argue there are moments of direct address in the show that play best in a live audience. Mm, I think that mm-hmm. captures them pretty well, better than, than some other recordings do. I think the audience mm-hmm. does a pretty good job of bringing audience reactions in. But but yeah. I wish they did more for being able to capture moments that are really critical for me. Moments when, for example, um, there are two in particular. One is when, the, in, uh, when they're singing to their children in Dear Theodosia. And they're singing to their children because they're children of the revolution and they're singing as revolutionaries. It's really strong language they're using. They're saying, we're going to make the world safe for you. Um, we're going to change the world for you. And, um, and they're singing to the children, but of course they're founding fathers. They're singing to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and and um, you know Bernie Sanders talks about seeing the show and that being the moment that moved him the most mm-hmm. when they were singing that song because of the whole everything involved in that. But the audience is literally the children of those fathers because mm-hmm. we are in descendants, and that is played out even more at the very ending when you have um, uh, uh, you have um, oh how can I uh, have forgotten Angelica. Um, no. Uh, no, um the other Hamilton. Eliza. Eliza. Okay. Because it's Hamilton. It's just as much about Eliza as it about Alexander. But Eliza's closing monologue, she talks about the orphanage. Mm. Can I mm-hmm. show you the orphanage? She says, right. Can I show you the orphanage? And the orphanage is also us. Yeah. Mm. But like the ancestors in The Lion King, it's the people in the room. They are incorporated by that gesture, particularly when she says, I look in their eyes and I see you. Every time I see an Alexander, every time that's that's the concept of democracy. Every person in Alexander, um, you know, and, uh, and so she's echoing so much and binding all of that together in such clear, quiet simplicity because it's like one of the quietest moments in the entire show because that leaves and opens the space for us to be the people that she sees. Um, and you know, we're invoked like Salieri invokes the invokes the audience, but it's more profound and more mm, uh, so. Yeah. I didn't feel invoked watching it on the No, on the no, chair, the film. Right. But, it, but when I was there, I think I, yeah. Yeah. Huh, that's so interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, I, you know, I, I enjoy the idea that there are now millions of people able to have that experience of direct address to the video, but it isn't anywhere near the same as being activated in the room the way that those revolutionaries turn you on, you know? Yeah, in the room. Uh, in the room. You know, yeah. that's really. Yeah, that's where it happens. That that's where it happens. Little <laughs> the little, yeah. The, wow. Um, yeah, Bert, Bert's book would be called The Room Where It Happens Now. It's yeah, great. it's called Great Reckonings <laughs> in Little Rooms. Where it happens. In the rooms where it happens. <laughs> that's our postmodern postscript for you, Bert. Yeah. Isn't printed. it interesting Bolton named his book after that? I mean, horrible. <laughs> if by interesting you mean makes me ill. I, yes. it, it, it's disgusting. <laughs> not making, and he's making a reference to the show with that title. Well, you know? I, th- I, I would love, yeah, try to appropriate a white, you know, warmonger trying to appropriate women. Uh, uh, <laughs> but again, but that reminds me of what you're saying. Like when we're listening to Hamilton and we're conjuring Hamilton in our heads, even if we can't see it and it's during the Obama years, it's a very triumphant gesture to have African Americans mm-hmm. or, or, you know, playing these founding fathers. But it je- definitely changed when we put a white supremacist into the White House and said, here's Hamilton now, like, how does that feel? Because when I watched it, I felt like it was a very hopeful vision of America. Mm-hmm. And yep. But when I first listened to it, when I was so young before the election, <laughs> it, it was, was a it similar seemed time. Tri- yeah, it seemed triumphant oh. and kind of like, oh, look what we can do. You yeah. know, we can do this show. Oh. And um, now it's more like, this is the America you're trying to suppress, you know, yeah. that, that the state forces would like to. And then there was this horrible uh, revelation that was totally shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. K- 
coming out of um, DNA testing they did of contemporary African-Americans. Oh, yeah. Did you read this, Kirk, about um, how, you know, there's just so much white person DNA among African-Americans that they can kind of tell how much uh, sexual exploitation, rape was going on mm. of these women back before um, abolition. Mm -hmm. And and it's just like, it's at a level of, you know, just, uh, I mean, of course. I mean, we, yeah, we definitely course. knew oh. that. But it's it's also have it laid bare by science. But, but that, so there's kind of an interesting reciprocity there between like the um, person of color cast and creators of Hamilton versus the aggressive image of the white man that gets kind of pushed at us as we're going through K through 12 or, mm -hmm. you know, just cherry trees and all that stuff, you know, the kind of American <laughs> myth. Giant bulls made in the 1920s, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So I wondered what, okay, I wondered about a couple of things, but I wonder what you make of Americans at home watching mm. Hamilton. <laughs> what, what's the, What's going on there? <laughs> I don't know. I had a friend who lives in uh, the UK, and she posted something on Facebook that said, like, Happy Treason Day. Enjoy Hamilton, which I thought was <laughs> cute. <laughs> Cheeky <laughs> and cute. Yeah. But I thought, you know what? I've heard that of so many people just in conversation being like, it's 4th of July. We're going to watch Hamilton because there's this connection yeah. between patriotism and it's it's about the founding fathers. We must be there's this patriotic act involved in watching Hamilton for some you know for yeah. some reason. Well, we sure aren't going to barbecue together on the beach, or you know, right? right. So that's have, interesting. Have a, yeah, who uh, throws a Fourth of July party every year, uh, at which she recites the Declaration of Independence. And we talk about the problematic bits, uh, and, and we go in. We go all out in 18th, 18th, 18th century rhetorical style on this. You, you oh, can't hold back. Nice. That sounds out. fun. That does sound fun. It is really fun. The other thing that she always does is uh, is that she always plays 1776 at some point. Oh, okay. And uh, and you know it, it is it is again an indication of the successful merchandising of Hamilton, but also its impact as a cultural icon that now there's something else for people to play on the 4th of July, mm -hmm. it makes a really powerful double feature because Hamilton answers 1776, mm -hmm. you see. Mm -hmm. 1776 is a rich musical in its own right. It's all men, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, but it mm -hmm. now we're talking about an all-female rendition of 1776 before the pandemic. There was going to be an all-female cast because of Hamilton. Right. Yeah. Right. Because of that, that casting experiment. That's the way in which the play is revolutionary, not just about the revolution. And well, it's and it's not just a casting experience, as you, yes, yes. as you, I'm sure, believe. It's like it's a whole conception from the get go. It's not like we took, um, you know, Hamlet and and cast it with African Americans, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> which would just be like fine, <laughs> which right. would be fine with me, of course. But sure, um, <laughs> like yeah, because it, it's conceived, I'm sure, from the beginning mm -hmm. that it's going to be, and there is something you know, where the whole American project is then sort of 
revived as like, well, who is this for? If it wasn't for these immigrants, we're all immigrants, it's a nation of immigrants. Uh, you know, what is this American project anyway? And um, so I feel like you either end up being like, huzzah, Hamilton, or, you know, you don't get it. And those are, th that's America right now. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I will say that for me, it, it is a little sad to like watch Hamilton, like when we watched it, I loved it. I get so excited about it. But then, you know, at the end, I think, like I look back at like the reality of what we're looking at right now. And right. it's like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it takes away a little bit of it for me. Yeah, I am. I'm right there with you, Maggie. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's a lyric that comes up for me often in the show um, uh, where um, they're talking about being. Uh, oh, man, it, it slipped my mind. Uh, it's it's. Oh, uh, look at it. Look at how lucky we are to be alive right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. How lucky we are to be alive right now, which brings up in the present context all kinds of things about survivor's guilt. Mm. as well as you know as well as irony because uh, mm -hmm. i don't feel but i am lucky mm -hmm. and that's but that's in that moment as well there's this exuberance of that line but also the shock and alarm and fear in that line and the way that it's used throughout the show um you know makes the language in the show becomes useful because of how well the show mobilizes it um so that it creates these moments where yeah i agree i i look at it and i think about 2016 with fondness <laughs> which is alarming to me you know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel this nostalgia and I'm like yeah, yeah. this is not something I want to associate with, with Hamilton even though of course I associate with Disney but but you know I've got this nostalgia for a better America where this where this emerged and yet the show itself is about the prospect of that and it's about that on every level and it, you know even the cute meta theatrical bits because mm -hmm. you know I am meta theatrical just to be meta theatrical I, I admit it. I like being meta just because it's fun. <laughs> but but Hamilton is meta for a purpose. You know, the the when he's when he starts making references to American history and the cast starts backing him up with stage directions, you know, mm -hmm. calling attention to the way that, that the show itself makes history. Mm -hmm. It is a doing of history. Mm -hmm. And the film the film, it's harder to see that in the film, but I think the film makes Particularly as a Disney product, it is an entirely different film about history than Disney has ever released before. That's true. Mm, that's true. Now, oh, that that's that brings up a point too. Disney being Disney, yeah. there are two. There were two instances of some of our founding fathers using the um, epithet that begins with the letter F mm. that mm -hmm. were erased mm -hmm. but they're so obviously Sensors. still there yeah you know because it's like duck you know it's like yeah what rhymes with duck yeah I, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know the I mean? autocorrect i mean <laughs> yep. yes that yeah. that it almost yeah no i mean i don't think he yielded creative ground by saying yeah okay cut it i don't think that's like a big deal at all but i wondered what Kirk, what you thought of the erasure or <laughs> uh, I miss profanity when it's when it's made to be missing. And I certainly notice mm. it when it people saying it but I can't hear it. Um I, I, I love the lip reads that they do for like NFL sideline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so much fun. Um, clearly see what they're saying. And, and but they'll never they'll never play it. And that's a really interesting distinction, you know. So 
well, we'll show you the visual of it, but we won't let you hear it. And those choices yeah. of censorship are interesting to me. You know, another major, uh, I do think that the, the video rendition of the show is, is a good piece of cinematography of live theater. And there's mm-hmm. another recording I've watched for years, which is the, uh, the BBC rendition of the mysteries that they recorded mm. back in five, which is a beautiful recording. Um, <clears throat> Uh, but you know, there, there, uh, the the whole business of the interaction of the camera and the audience and so forth. You lose all of these things in that in that performance. There's a whole nude scene with Adam and Eve that, in the television version, has been trimmed down so that you only see partial nudity for about six seconds, and the rest of the time, they're reaction shots that are clearly drawn from entirely different parts of the show. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> so the choice is we'll show you a little, but not, but we can't mm-hmm. show you ten minutes of it. Because then it would be another kind of film, yeah. and and I think that you know what's interesting is that there are only just a few of those words that just get obliterated in the Disney version. But there are other references, for example, to uh, to to what General Lee does that um, you know that stay. And and the choice struck me as odd. Why mm-hmm. only those? Mm-hmm. Why did you draw the line on that one, but not on these other ones? And and it it, it to me indicated. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to get any bearings on the historical moment, but yeah. but I'm like, why choose those in 2020 to drop right. out? Right. Uh, especially in this show. But, it, you know, it's occurred to me before. It didn't surprise me when it happened because, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing high schools do the show, and every time mm-hmm. I listen to it, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. but they'd have to cut. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, it's interesting oh, what high schools can and cannot show too exactly. and how regional yeah. and sort of local that becomes yep. um yeah yes. really interesting I, well i just i just did uh my brother who teaches high school and i just did the same show about six months apart we did uh 25th annual putnam county spelling bee mm-hmm. uh the original is filthy especially when you think about the people the the, the team that made it and its origins is an improv show you know, mm. it, it's 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 a straight up New York show that's that's approaching Avenue Q. Um, but uh, the uh, <laughs> in fact, there's a number in it that my uh, my conductor said, we don't want to do this number. Can we just change the words in the high school? They provide a high school version. Yeah. And so, you know, there's there's the sanitized version. And it's interesting that Disney showed us most of Hamilton, but there was some of Hamilton that they refused to show us. Yeah. And I'm like, Disney, why? Why would you draw the line there? You know, how do you yeah. feel about Maggie? Well, what I, what did they not show? Like, tell me or, what they didn't. The showing show. is the same. It's just the f word. Yeah, that's I, gotten rid of twice. I and then that there's also what a, they did show, which. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's just a Disney censorship. Arbitrary. Thing. Like they like, have I, to say they. They cut have to. I think that they have it. like a certain number of. <laughs> yeah, like I think that I, I literally think it's like they probably have a certain number of times that they can say this and say yes. that and do whatever, yeah. and they just have to. You know, like they can like, you know, in certain for ratings for movies and things like you can say fuck twice, but not you can say it like uh, an expletive, but you can't use it in the in terms of people fucking each other. Yeah. So I'm sure that that they just had some sort of quota that they had to go through it with a comb. But I do love the idea of it being uh, cleaned up enough that it could go into high schools. I think that that's a super fun idea. I think it's a sort of really ambitious show for (laughs) schools to take on. And I think you have to probably condense it quite a bit. So, you know, that opens up the conversation of like, what would you pull out in order to make this a 90 minute version that high schools can do? 
Ooh, yeah. I would not want to be part of the committee that decides what to it'd cut be, out It'd of be tough because so much of it is, inter, you know, <laughs> yeah, so much of it from the beginning, it's just all, it. these th- threads go yeah, all the Miranda, way through. Yeah. Miranda plays with that, too, because he's got that great business of, that was my wife you decided to, mm-hmm. you know, he, yeah. he, there are moments when he's flirting. I do get this, the, the sense that Miranda had his own count of how many, of how much. You're right, right. You're right. So, you know, um, which is another reason why I'm like Disney, why I just second guess him. He already did a pretty good job. Yeah. But the, you know, the high school productions would have serious problems with the whole um, uh, uh, blackmail sequence. Right. Um, oh, right. Yeah. You that. Some, some would. Some You're in Texas though. I've seen uh, more right. outrageous stuff. Oh, I know. Here. And, yeah, and and when and when I looked at and, and having finally seen it now, I'm like, okay, the staging would definitely need to be different for a high school show. But oh, there are ways, well, yeah, yes. that would de-emphasize certain elements that I think are written in there, but you don't have to emphasize them. But but I, you know, the committee making those decisions, absolutely. In terms of talent, though, I was surprised. Um, it is still true, although more students are now coming in knowing Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, but for a while there. Um, it, people were dueling uh, sequences at uh, cast parties, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it was and it was actually a bonding sequence for people who were for incoming students because they were basically um, trying to outdo each other with remembering the lyrics and doing them all in right. time and mm-hmm. doing them at tempo, basically you know um, for fun on their own. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I and their, some of that. Their high yeah. school theater community. So, so this this show was already a karaoke show. That's part of its success. <laughs> well, you know, people immediately started singing this show, and that mm-hmm. I mean, look at the the the, the mixtape. The mixtape is a, a spectacular example of Hamilton being more than just it's a community property. Yeah, you know, for sure. Um, and I'm really glad that finally there is some degree of communal ownership of it, even though it is through a paywall service like Disney Plus. Yeah, which. It really chafes me that mm. it, that they could go the PBS route. Yeah, but, yeah, I know. Uh, That's true. Um, you know, uh, but, but Disney uh, probably owns it because when I think about it, because they own everything, own that theater, and they own everything. And <laughs> <laughs> well, and they're logical because of because of their new re- because of the relationship they developed with Broadway since the mid nineties. Yeah. So they're in a position to be able to do some really good work that way. I, I mm-hmm. wish they'd do better with things like Into the Woods. Um, which I was not happy with as a film, uh, you know, but, uh, but they are still, you know, uh, as, as, uh, as movie, um, production companies go, the best position to do this kind of bridge between, mm-hmm. uh, it was Broadway. really well filmed. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I, I, I was thinking about one inclusion they had, and then I, I think, um, we need to have our last thoughts, but, uh, one inclusion they had was when he's doing his George he like sort of spittled oh, as singers so do spit. Yeah. the spit yeah there was a spit oh and my god they were like we can get Every, rid of that everyone was talking about that can i, I know, just it's say so fascinating because you could i mean i guess they could have gotten rid of it and lin-manuel miranda was like no leave leave the spitting in that's you know that's real that's mm-hmm. that's what shows are yeah kind of makes it a, a not a film <laughs> you know <laughs> right it is yes. one of the me- like one of the few that i've seen where i get more of a feeling of watching uh yeah. a theatrical production yeah. than i do just somebody filming the show you right. know you get kind of a better seat it is you yeah a it's a better seat, seat. i was in the you know back of beyond balcony seat when i saw mm-hmm. it and in live um so 
even though I knew, God, they must be exhausted, to see them straining for breath after they do one long scene, then come back and do another long scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to watch them kind of like, these these people are doing this every night. Um, They're doing it in real time. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I... I- yeah. I like that the video manages to capture the the physical demands of the performance, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the spit is just is is just a, a really particularly spectacular detail. I'm kind of fascinated what people have been saying about the spit. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I just think it was it was something that uh, people have noticed. Like people, I will say specifically non theater people, like people yeah. that I've talked to who are not all you know already into that world via either being on stage or being yeah. backstage, but people who just are seeing it for the delight of watching it. That was something that yeah. they're like, there was so much spit. Like we just couldn't like wrap our minds around it. And I think it's just because it's not what you, you're not used they're to not seeing used it on television. It. You're yeah. not used to seeing it in movies unless it's, you know, Anne Hathaway trying to, to just cry all of Les Mis out. There you go. It's going to bring up the Les Mis <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It was definitely a detraction from the. I love that about the film, but I know that some audiences really, really got turned off by that close-up detail. Watching those actors, you know, have to produce mm-hmm. that sound film. Um, yeah, film did, film is not friendly to that kind of simulation. Exertion, yeah, yeah. Uh, and in a way that you know, of course, the act of singing as part of your acting performance isn't inherently a form of simulation. You know, the theatricality of but has always had awkwardness translating to, to the screen anyway. But yeah. but the detail of the physicality. I remember having um, a uh, theater professor when I was studying in London, who uh, David Pinner. He was a playwright and an actor, and um, and he would always spit when he was lecturing. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I was fascinated by it. I would like sit in the front row and just watch this sort of happen because there was something so wonderfully material about it. And in it, I knew that he was demonstrating that he was definitely an actor and not an academic because academics, mm. of course, never be caught <laughs> being so material. You know? I know. It's no, embarrassing no, no. to have a body. When it's you're embarrassing. <laughs> no, it distracts from the ideas that are, you know, are the point of connection. Yeah. But an actor, no, no, it's about the body being present as the vehicle for the words. You know, uh, it's about mm-hmm. the, the making of those words. And and I've always been fascinated ever since by sort of the especially British actors, but 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 actors in general when they when they do that. But now in particular for me, it's concentrated by the the importance of the mask mm-hmm. and the presence of saliva as a vector, um, because thinking about the, the practicality uh, back to our original subject of online uh, theatrical productions and mm-hmm. online and online theatrical work is is the problem of doing any kind of real theater together of any sort is that we project our voices. Mm-hmm. So six feet won't cut it, folks. Yeah. Because yeah, we are true. throwing our spit. We are spitting on you. Into your mouth. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it reminds me of Lenny Bruce, actually. But, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's that business of being there physically. The spit, when you're watching it, you don't care. It's like, no, that's that's... Lin-Manuel, that's 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 gospel mm-hmm. up there. That's yeah. that, that's the mm-hmm. king bit up there, you know. And and that is it means something entirely different than when it's abstracted by the film, than when it's just you know this sort of detail, right? Yeah, you know? definitely. Well, Kirk, um, this has been such a delight. Yeah, Thank you so, so much. much. Fun. <laughs> that's a blast talking to you guys. <laughs> yeah, and we should we will have you back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Friend of Please, the pod. Uh, Friend of the pod. <laughs> 
Kirk Everest. <laughs> All right, but we have to sign off because oh. our equipment's about to die. <laughs> My crap. <laughs> My equipment, not the other equipment, not the good equipment. Um, we'll so still be going. we will chat soon, okay? All right, good All right. news. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was fun. That was fun. I would do that again anytime. Yeah, same. And I feel like watching Hamilton again now. Know, taking better too. notes or something. I know, time. and really, really thinking cool. about it in, in a really? more academic <laughs> in more academic terms. Yeah, yeah. So much fun. Well, thank you, Maggie. Thank you, Anna.